This is Sabrina Marie, host of the Building Abundant Success Series. My guest is Rakim Sabri. He comes back and he talks to us about how financially we can survive these times, as well as reboot, looking at new ways to pick up income or the income we have, how to stretch it, and or how to possibly be trained at home to do something new. He gives us food for thought. Or Kim should know he comes from being on Section 8 and growing up that way, and now he owns multiple real estate properties. His book is called Financially Irresponsible. How fitting. He talks about ways we can use our knowledge, work knowledge, as well as common sense knowledge to get through these tough times. Rock, him and I are coming at you right now. I wanted to thank you for coming back on the show. We've got a lot of chaos going on, going on economically these days. Um, what is your take on all the economic stuff going on right now? Uh, it's it's crazy. It's all over the place. Um, I think some of it is engineered or, or manufactured, however you want to call it, but um, I think a lot of it for people on on the receiving end of it is just kind of going back to the basics. At least that's what my experience has been the last um, last couple of weeks. Your book, Financially Irresponsible, uh, you talk about uh, breaking out of the mold, really no excuses, and some people see downtimes like this as a way to reinvent themselves. Uh, after you take a breath, that is, you know, because this is just um, amazing time. What are you thinking financially right now we need to do with so many people being out of work or not being able to work as much if they still have a job? What are you seeing? Um, I think, well, for one, and I don't want to say it's a positive, but if we can address the silver lining, if you will, um, through this crisis, it's true. Like you said, a lot of people are um, at home. They're either working from home or unable to work. And so that gives you a lot of uh, downtime or a lot of time in your own element, in your own environment. Um, my experience has been that I, um, I've been working from home, so I'm fortunate to still uh, have an income from my day job. But, you know, you can kind of, if you don't navigate through, um, you know, cabin fever and just kind of going stir crazy because you're stuck inside of your house, um, it can, it can be a double-edged blade, right? You can either become extremely inspired and motivated to create and um, learn, educate, or you can become, you know, very just sedentary and, and, and non-productive, um, you know, the house potato or, you know, eating everything in sight. And so I think, you know, people at this point, it's the most important thing is to kind of really define what is their plan, you know, for the future, um, what is their plan for now, um, because we don't know what the future holds. 
And how do you leverage all of this time now at your fingertips and resources at your fingertips where you're not having to, you know, go out and buy gas to commute. You're not having to, um, you know, go to a, a, another facility or workplace. You really get eyes on, on the prize or, or whatever your prize is. So I think I've been, I've been advocating for people to really uh, educate themselves financially through whatever means they can, whether that's, you know, watching videos on YouTube, taking a course, reading a book, um, just educating themselves on finances and, of course, you know, limit the spending, start focusing on budgeting, um, budgeting what you have, um, understanding what the cost savings look like. So, again, my experience was when I was going to work, I would go stop and, and buy coffee in the morning. Maybe I would buy breakfast. Maybe I would buy lunch. Some days I would do all three. And because I'm not having to spend the money on breakfast, eating out, buying coffee, I'm saving money. So I think it's important for people to understand that too. Like, you're, or at least you should be spending so much less on uh, miscellaneous expenses that you're actually saving money now. And so with that savings, what are you doing with it? Where are you going? Of course, we still have to feed ourselves. We have to get water, we have to get supplies, um, but I don't think that it will exceed what is considered normal. And so uh, from that perspective, now you have extra money, if there is such a thing, and what do you do with that? How do you allocate that money towards assets or, or things that are going to produce income or value for you? Status quo, you mentioned um, accepting the status quo. It's a different status quo now because we all are now really having to reinvent the way we're doing everything. Um, You know, yeah, we have a lot of free time or a lot of time at home, I should say. You know, we have to really start to reinvent really life because even when we get back to the new normal, because things will never be the same as they were before this particular incident. Um, we have to evolve. That is an evolution type of thing, don't you think? Absolutely. Uh, and I think that, you know, what you said is important, understanding that, you know, this is the new normal. I think a lot of people are um, in the frame of mind where they're kind of holding their breath and waiting for things to return back to, you know, what their version of normal was before all of this. And, you know, if I can, if I can carry that analogy, you know, what happens when you hold your breath for too long? Like, you end up having a gas and breathe anyway. Um, and so, at some point or another, the reality of the situation is going to hit. And if any time we're pretending that, you know, this is a vacation from our normal and it's a temporary adjustment, once we realize that, you know, things have changed and that things are going to be changed for um, a long time to come, that it's going to be harder realization, it's going to be harder to accept. And, um, and I think, you know, just people need to, need to embrace that sooner than later. Um, if we are ever able to establish some sense of normalcy related to what we had previously experienced, I think that would be great. But I just, I don't imagine that this situation um, you know, a global pandemic impacting, you know, every aspect of our lives, but, um, you know, most notably our health and our finances, there's, there's certainly going to be changes 
um, that I don't imagine would be reversed. You know, I'm looking at something uh, that um, people are thinking about. We're now having to have online classrooms and or public access. We are learning to now work from home. Those people who can work from home, because not every um, industry will have you work from home. But I believe after we come out of this supposed new normal, uh, we may, hmm, how can I put this? We may not get back to the volume of people who will want to go back to a traditional job. Some may want that freedom to work from home. Some parents may want their children to have that freedom to decide to work and, you know, do their school online. We're having to do this now. The um, technology is there. Don't you think that that might be in the minds of some? Oh, absolutely. I think, um, you know, there. I've been hearing it a lot, but I've also been saying it a lot. There's so much that um, was prohibited or um, claimed as not possible due to restraints on, you know, technology or due to restraints on funding. Um, I do work with the homeless and seeing how um, five-star hotels are being turned into temporary shelter for the homeless. It's just kind of like, wow, you know, or, you know, seeing the, the government pull so much money and, you know, inject it into the economy for health care, for living for, you know, seeing the student loan um, interest be temporary suspended, like all of the things that we're told on a daily basis prior to this is not possible or is not likely, we're flipped on like a switch. And so, yes, people are realizing that, you know, there is remote capability um, with work. There is remote capability uh, through classrooms. And I think, you know, of course, once you get a taste of that, you're going you're gonna to begin to wonder, like, why not? Why couldn't we do this before? Why can't we keep doing this? And um, I know certainly moving forward and, and, and for the, the generation of people, you know, coming through the workforce today who um, millennials and beyond are, um, you know, tech savvy and, and preferring to work in these kind of conditions, I imagine that, you know, the job search in the future is going to include you know, a request or a demand that there is a remote flexible scheduling um, as part of that package. When you talk about um, what you have written in your book, the irresponsibility of uh, finances, we we think about um, you know people who just frivolously spend, but you have a different take on that. Um, even though you talk about, you know, various ways that, you know, people, you know, think about money, you know, money is the root of all evil, this, that, and the other, you also delve into, really, responsibility within. I wanted you to really delve into that topic, because I think it's really timely now. So the, um, the first part of the book, 
really fun. The book the book is divided into two parts, and the first part of the book really focuses on you know, what is your spiritual and mental relationship with money. Um, mm-hmm. you know, what are your thoughts as it relates to either acquiring money or um or, or growing the money that you have acquired? What's possible? What's not possible? What are your limiting beliefs? Why do you choose you know not to go and be successful? Talk about the fear of success. Talk about the responsibility that comes with success um, as it relates to acquiring money or assets that produce money. And so um, I I like what you said about people all being in the same boat. Um, I think, you know, the reality of today is that, you know, people are worried about their health. People are worried about, you know, whether or not they can put food on the table. People are worried about how they're going to get to or through tomorrow. And I um, I made a joke with my mom at the beginning of this, um, as everybody was kind of frenzied and running to the supermarket to, um, you know, just stockpile supplies, toilet paper, um, you know, food, canned goods, and, and what have you. I said, you know, people who are used to having money, who are used to having whatever that they need at their fingertips have never had to, you know, make budget meals. At least a lot of them have never had to make, you know, budget meals or, um, you know, go without the luxuries of, you know, their day. And so I think um, poor people or, or people who are experiencing poverty are really having their day now um, when it comes to, just survive it because although the circumstances externally certainly have changed, I think, you know, it's not really that much of a change for them, right? I mean, of course, we're talking about income, we're talking about, you know, jobs and whether or not people are able to get an income, that's going to be a huge impact. But I'm talking about, you know, how do you budget the last that you have to make a meal work for, you know, five people in a household? What is it that you're buying? What is it that you're preparing? You know, do you know how to prepare, um, you know, canned beans or dried beans? Do you know how to, you know, buy that big 30-pound bag of rice and make that last? And I think, you know, people whose reality that is every day are, you know, it's just business as usual. The people who, um, you know, kind of turn their nose up at, you know, the canned products, beans and, and, and rice and, you know, the pastas who don't, um, usually make a practice of, of buying these things that are staples in other households, they're going to be hurting um, because they can't go out to their dinners. They can't, you know, they can, of course you can order out, but it's, it's just a, it's a different, it's a change in dynamic. Um, but for the people who are used to this experience, I think now is, is a good time, too, to start examining what your belief about money is and to start examining what your belief about your ability to acquire money is, um, because we also live in a very digital age now. And so I see many examples of people creating things that they can then sell online, um, or examples of people now turning to the creativity that they have within themselves to start structuring for when things calm down, when we can start interacting with people on a one-to-one basis. Do you have a system in place now for your business to take off? Um, because, like I said, there's so much downtime and there's so much time to focus 
on, uh, you know, unfinished projects or unstarted projects that you, you know, you're making excuses around, you know, not having enough time or not having enough resources for. And so I think at the other end of this, um, people are going to um, either grow in work significantly based off of the practices that they um, examine, exhibit, demonstrate, um, and execute on, or not. Um, you know, people are gonna they're gonna lose a lot in this. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what that looks like for me. I'm excited to see what that looks like for other people. Um, I'm excited to see what that looks like for people who are at one side of the um, one side of the line and 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 what their experiences moving into the future. Um, what are some steps we can start doing now financially? I think this is um I doubt really like that question. I think this is kind of like a wake up call for people, right? Because for all of the people who are in the habit of, you know, putting money aside for a rainy day, paying themselves first, budgeting, saving, investing, you know, this is what they prepared for, right? This is, you know, this is the rainy day. Now, whether or not that rainy day fund lasts through this entire experience, well, that, that's going to vary from person to person. But at least there was an element of preparedness involved. For all of the people who live paycheck to paycheck, and, and when you hear the term paycheck to paycheck, you think of, you know, someone who is experiencing poverty, but you don't think of the high-income earner who is living paycheck to paycheck who on, you know, the outside does not look like they're struggling, but maybe they can't work from home, and, you know, now they've had to file for unemployment or, you know, some kind of relief through their business, and the lifestyle that they're used to living, they can't continue to live. And so I think a lot of a lot of truth is going to be sifted out um, at the end of this. Um, and like I said, it's a wake-up call for what what it is that we should have been doing from the beginning. Um, for me, what I'm thinking about when it comes to this is, um, you know, I'm grateful every day that I still am able to draw an income from, you know, my place of employment. I'm able to work from home. I maintain the same disciplines and practices around paying myself first and allocating money towards savings every time I get paid. But I'm also, you know, looking out and seeing, you know, what kind of relief is being provided for people, whether that's uh, mortgage deferral uh, on payments, whether that's student loan um, deferral on payments and interest, uh, what that looks like from a credit card perspective, what that looks like from any kind of subscription-based product or fee perspective, and how do I minimize that in this time? So this, for me, is... Definitely a refining period, um, but I'm thinking about opportunity too. I'm thinking about, you know, what does the real estate market look like where I am and, and, and around the country with people who can't pay their mortgages? And, and you know, no doubt there's going to be a huge increase in, um, in foreclosures or investing opportunities at the end of this. And will I be prepared to capitalize? Same thing with the stock market. Looking at a lot of the um, the prices of stocks that have gone down based off of what's happening, but stocks of solid companies where you know that it's going to rebound once the economy gets up and running in the way that you know we were used to seeing it. 
And so how can I take advantage of the opportunity there? Um, for me, I think it's about being strategic. It's about not grabbing at everything that kind of glitters in my face right now because there's so many opportunities. And, you know, obviously limited resources for me to take advantage of those opportunities. And so you're just kind of figuring out what's right, uh, what's right in terms of an investment, what's right in terms of, you know, holding off and, and waiting, um, because things can get worse before they get better. Um, I don't know that we've seen the worst of it yet. Well, we will, and, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm an optimist, get through. And we'll be different on the other side and, and perfectly a lot better uh, for the experience. Um, and, and when I say that, you know, challenges normally can make you stronger as a person. It can show you some things. I was listening to um, one of the news reports where one of the people who um, is a driver for one of the services uh, doesn't know when their next paycheck is coming in, so technically they're unemployed. He said the good thing is they've lost 35 pounds, but they don't know, you know, no one's taking public transportation much, if if at all. And it it kind of, it it takes the wind out of your sails. And as you said, you know, people are figuring out a new way of doing things. In terms of living outside the box and not uh, accepting the status quo, uh, if you were a landlord, because you, you have properties, what are you thinking right now as a, a landowner and business owner? I think uh, it's important, and you kind of touched on this, uh, I think it's important to be an optimist in this time, but more than being an optimist, I think it's important to be compassionate. Um, and understand, you know, or rather surface the humanity um, within. And so whatever that looks like as a business owner or not a business owner, as a landlord or not a landlord, you know, being a, a, a human being to other people, being compassionate to, you know, and I, I, I make a practice of this, um, throughout my daily life, but I think, you know, this is a time for people to really kind of, like, reflect on that optimism, coming together, you know, being support, you know, being compassionate. I mean, there's, there's no other way to put it. Um, I am in a situation right now where my one of my units is vacant, so I'm landlord but paying my entire mortgage, so I'm not in a situation where I have to navigate through the emotions of tenants and whether or not they're going to be able to pay rent. But for me, um, this is kind of reassurance. Like I'm in a situation where I can pay for my entire mortgage out of pocket. Um, and so uh, I can imagine that if I did have tenants and I knew that they were worrying about their ability to pay um, to keep a roof over their head, I've certainly seen accounts of landlords who say, you know what, like, don't worry about rent this month. Don't worry about rent next month. I've got it covered. Make sure you take care of your family. And I imagine I would I would be doing something somewhere right about now. Um, but I can say that from the perspective of somebody, like I said, who knows they can cover the home mortgage. And so I think it's important, too, 
to understand on the tenant side of the equation that, you know, just as much as they're hurting, the landlord might be hurting. And so there's a lot of programs out there um, that the banks are advertising um, to provide assistance. But, you know, some of those programs have some shady conditions and terms. Like, you know, yeah, you don't have to make a payment for the next three months on your mortgage, but at the end of that three-month period, you have to pay for all the time loss. You know, that's tough. Sure. Who's going who's gonna to be able to come up with that kind of a, that, that kind of a payment at one time? Um, and then there's situations where, you know, they're taking a three-month payment and they're adding it to the end of the mortgage. And so I, I think that's reasonable. But um, there's just there's so much out there, and I think, you know, we need to see the humanity in one another and we need to come together as people. Financially, when you aren't used to making money or you're living paycheck to paycheck, there's a certain mentality with that. And people really bust their stuff to make it. They really try. They get the education. They get the certifications. They get the trade certificates, etc. And you speak about living paycheck to paycheck to paycheck. If you were to be speaking to Nardcore and the people who want to live a better way and have that passive income and work toward that, because, you know, that's not totally out of reach for some, what would you be telling that individual? Um, well, before I answer that question, I just want to say, you know, the mentality that you're referring to is, is, is a survival, right? People are... They're in a survival mood, and, and like you said, they're doing everything that they can to make ends meet. Um, but in answering your question, I think I would tell people to focus on moving forward, living beneath, beneath their needs. Um, and so, you know, I'm a huge advocate for, you know, the concept of paying yourself first, whatever that looks like, whatever percentage of your income that looks like, but doing that on a regular basis. Um, not necessarily to prepare for an emergency or with the intentions of arresting it, but just as a practice. Um, because, you know, if I can use myself as an example, when I get paid, um, you know, I, I, I talk about living paycheck to paycheck in my book from the perspective of me living paycheck to paycheck, but I was paycheck to paycheck because I make sure to pay myself first through saving and investing and then start paying the other expenses that I have. So if during this time of crisis, I decided to suspend that discipline, I have more money per paycheck coming into my account. And I'm not changing the uh, the standard of my living based off of the circumstances. But I now have extra, extra you know, cushion of wiggle room because I've already built that into my practice. And so um, my big focus would, would, again, be for people to examine themselves, their habits, um, their mentality, specific to their finances and how they maneuver, but also to encourage them to, you know, cut off whatever is in excess or, or waste um, and to start focusing on living beneath their needs so that they can create a little bit of a, um, of a cushion that can weather through, you know, situations like this. We have a stimulus 
coming to most people, which, you know, will be what it is. A lot of people have to live off what that is, and then that is enough because many people live paycheck to paycheck. But for those who can get an extra $500, or when I say $500 off the whole of what they may be getting, what do you suggest that they might consider doing if they have any excess? Uh, I think that's a good question. I see a, a little article for the grill, um, kind of like, <clears throat> talking about what the breakdown of the stimulus package is going to look like based off of income, and then what are some ways you can spend that money responsibly. And so I think first and foremost, it's important to, to make sure you take care of, you know, what is your your expenses, right? Your bills, living, surviving. Um, but like you said, if there is excess, certainly um, investing in yourself is a huge opportunity right now because of the time factor and not because of the money. You're not taking money out of your pocket if you grow regular income um, or taking money out of your pocket um, if, if you don't grow regular income. I mean, if you have excess, you have excess. And so, you know, now is a really good time to, you know, buy books on a topic that is going to, that you can monetize or pay for a course or, you know, take action, um, buy supplies. And so, you know, I've heard of a lot of accounts, you know, during this time where people are focusing on writing books. Huge, uh, you know, step forward, right? Because at the end of this, you have a product that you can, Draw an income from whatever that looks like. I've heard about people creating courses around things that they're really good at. A huge opportunity to monetize. Um, and then I've heard about people, you know, just buying, buying things that are going to make them money or, 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 or teach them a skill, whether that's, you know, in-home gardening so that you can kind of like sustain yourself through the food that you grow or, um, just I mean, the possibilities are endless, and so I won't sit here and list them all out. But I think when people think about extra money and they think about this idea of investing, they think that they have to buy a piece of land or they have to buy, a, you know, a stock certificate, and, and that's absolutely not the case. You can invest in yourself in ways that position you to then be able to um, become more marketable or put you in a position where you can draw more of an income uh, whether it be a one-time thing or, or, you know, multiple times, so that you can then take that money and invest it. Um, and I'll give an example. I, I, you know, I referenced an article that I wrote for the video, you know, in contributing to a major publication, you can you can get income from that. And so, um, you know, if you have a specialty or a topic that you really like to talk about, um, that you can talk about with confidence, you can go pitch editors of, you know, publications and say, hey, look, I have a, a really good idea. Um, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I, want to, what I want to write about. And if they accept your pitch, you know, you can kind of talk about or negotiate what, what pay looks like for that. I think, you know, that's a huge opportunity for people now. Um, 
but it goes back to this idea of, you know, just kind of surveying opportunities, believing in yourself, believing that you're worth it or that you're worthy of taking advantage of this opportunity, um, especially when you're looking at, like, major publications. You don't have the self-confidence to go and approach editor and say, hey, look, I'm a short leader or subject matter expert on this topic, then that's going to come through, <laughs> and, and they're not going to pick you. So I think, you know, that is just one of many opportunities or, or ways that somebody can invest in themselves. Um, I think also global economics, you know, you and I talk about that a lot. I think last time we got together, um, well, there's an opportunity for that, too, in this instance. You know, one household is getting a $1,200 check, and another household that's, you know, connected somehow, some way, is getting, you know, $2,400 checks or what have you, you know, now is an opportunity to pull your money in, a, um, in an effort to to support, you know, your family or whatever your core nucleus of, um, you know, friends or, or whoever you're around. But now is an opportunity to pull your resources and get more bang for your buck. And I don't think a lot of people are thinking about that because they're so worried about what's in their face right now. They're worried about survival. They're worried about what can I do to put food on the table tomorrow um, for the people that I, you know, wake up and go to sleep for every day. But, you know, just, you know, being strategic too, especially since we're talking about excess, being strategic in, um, you know, how you leverage that money, how you leverage those relationships, how you um, can now take advantage of the opportunity to, to buy assets at a discount um, all mm-hmm. of those things are huge. We just came out of um, the last couple months of doing uh, celebrations of civil rights and had uh, remembrances of groups of people pooling resources together to make things happen. Many ethnicities who come to this country they pool their resources to make things happen, whether it's to buy a piece of property or properties. Do you think that people might be thinking along those terms as they rebuild and coming out of this time? You're asking if I think that people will do that? Yeah, do you think that that might be a an option because it's worked in the past? It's definitely an option. Um, I think, again, people need to realize that that option is on the table. And so in order to do that, you have to remove yourself from that, you know, survival morality or, or mentality um, and thinking much more broad or much more, you know, long-term um, because the combination of what's available through credit and opportunities to leverage that um, combined with the pooling of, you know, actual capital that you're not having to pay back. You know, that makes, that makes a lot of things possible. Um, that makes a lot of things likely. But really the only barrier to success and leveraging those tools is, you know, not seeing that as an option or not thinking about it. And so I think it's important for people to kind of take a breath and assess the situation and think about, you know, 
are your basic needs covered? And then, you know, what can you do? What can you do moving forward? If, you know, the combination of four households or two households even um, gets $500 through the stimulus package, you know, anywhere between $1,000 and $2,000 that's pulled of money that is outside of what is your normal income. Um, and, you know, of course, this is, this is only referring to cases in which people um, have excess because, of course, there like, there are people counting on this money yesterday. And in um, and in counting on this money like yesterday, um, it's likely already spent. I was talking to another guest, and he was talking about how managing money, making money, is not taught in schools. Everything else outside of, you know, this type of survival knowledge is taught is not taught in schools. And you really can't depend on the public school system to do everything. What do you say for the future of people in school, school age, and adult age? Um, it should really be a requirement to learn how money works. Yeah, I... um. It's not that I have mixed feelings on the topic, but I, I like to ref- I hear this question all the time, and I like to refer to a quote, um, or rather an interview that Robert Kiyosaki did, where he talks about, you know, the rich dad poor dad book, and he says that, you know, he had a conversation with his father, who is his poor dad, and his father is an academic, he, you know, very steady, he's a teacher. And he's asking his father, why don't they teach us about money in school? And he's like, isn't the whole reason to learn and get an education is that so you can make money? And his father's response is, no, the, the reason that you don't get an education is so that you can get a job. And so he's like, well, isn't the point of getting a job so that you can make money? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, so why don't I just skip that part? Why don't they teach us how to make money? Um, and, you know, he does various interviews where he talks about this topic, but another quote of his that I really like, and I believe I included it in my book, is that the um, the Western educational system, which is based on the European system of education, was designed to create individuals that will do what they're told. So that's your soldiers and that's your employees. Not designed to teach people how to create their own job or how to own their financial destiny. And so I think in light of, you know, our current environment and situation, a lot of parents are being put in a situation where they're having to homeschool homeschool their children or supplement the homeschooling by creating an environment, creating a schedule and a routine that keeps the children engaged. And it's really unfortunate, but a lot of the feedback that I've heard or have observed um, from parents with children is how tiring it is or how, you know, they just can't stand it or, you know, they don't know how the teachers, how the teachers do it. And so there's, being, there's a lot of value being placed on the role of teacher in the public school system 
Um, but I think, you know, parents are also missing that their their teachers, the teachers of their children, rather, job is not to raise their kids, and that education needs to happen in the house. 